Welcome back to the What's Your Will More podcast. Today, I'm joined with one of my standing co-hosts, Mr. Alex Stewart of The Market Distillery. Welcome to the show. I mean, it's almost like just you're here every week, so more of a, more of a great seeing you again than welcome to the show at this point. Yeah, well, we got a bunch of stuff to talk about. It's uh, The cool thing about what we do is it's always evolving, and it's always of different levels of importance. And yeah. inflation is one of those topics where who cares that we've been in here recently? <laughs> we need to get back in here and talk about it. Well, you know, I think it's a great point. I had a, uh, I had a comment uh, from a, a gentleman named Thomas on one of our YouTube videos that we recently did. And he said, you know, if you're wanting to get a larger audience, you know, and, and that you're growing on, continue to talk about some of this stuff over and over and over again, because, you know, it does take repetition and time to really kind of grasp what all you're saying. So I thought that was kind of a nice flag, like, oh, you know what, maybe, sure. maybe we should continue to kind of repeat some of the things over and over again from a metric standpoint. One of them is inflation. Sure. Right? One of them is inflation. And that's why we're here today is talk about the PCE reading that came out last week mm-hmm. uh, on Friday, actually. And, and here we are, you know, Monday morning talking about it. This episode will go live on Wednesday, um, the 5th. But let, let's talk about it. So it came in, um, I think, a little lower than expected. And I say like a schmidgen lower than expected. Um, and, you know, if you're Jerome Powell and you're the Federal Reserve, you can kind of take a little sigh of relief here because, uh, you know, the opposite of that would have been what you spoke about in our last couple podcasts was, you know, heaven help them if it came in higher than expected. We would have Armageddon on our hands here. So it came in ever so slightly lower. And uh, and I would say that this is a sigh of relief more than a win for the Federal Reserve. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was actually such a non-event on Friday, it seems, Correct. which was not what you normally expect out of an inflation report. I've, I've seen the really funny memes uh, going around where it's like inflation dropped and all the all the mortgage people or all the real estate people are all running around like it's a new rave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we 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 got a new song released and it just was the inflation reading, which I still think is hilarious because this is by any means a very dry topic for most people. But again, oh, yeah. it matters so much because it is relevant to everybody's life. It directly in fa- uh, affects interest rates. Yep. It directly impacts all of the careers associated with real estate and business. And so it's one of those things where we want to continue to focus on and highlight and bring up because it's relevant. If it wasn't doing anything, we wouldn't talk about well, it. But really now it's, over the last 12 years, there's been nothing to talk about, right? right. And so now, we, now we're talking about it because it, to your point, right. when I go buy something at the grocery store, I now want to know why that cost is, you know, two and a half, three times more than I would normally pay for that. Same thing when you go to a restaurant. So, I mean, it goes on and on, right? We sure. talk about how it affects the consumer. You know, what's interesting to me is that I believe, you know, we talked about this back in, you know, early October, excuse me, late October, early November, but we talked about, you know, these inflation signals that were flashing. And I think at that point, we were around 7% at that point, but they were flashing in in, in some cases 9% as we got through November. And we said, you know, these numbers won't show up till later to the consumer. And, you know, we have had eight rate hikes from the Federal Reserve um, since, you know, since 2022. And now we're starting to see a lot of this show up to the consumer. We're yeah. starting to see it really kind of m- make its way through the system. And one of the things we talked about were some pain points that had to happen. Mm-hmm. And we had to basically say that, the, you know, the Federal Reserve, while monitoring employment, they said our goal was twofold from the very beginning, was to have a digestible unemployment rate of somewhere around 5%. And at that time, we were we were right at 3. We're currently at 3.6. Right. And we need to get inflation to our target mark of 2%. And at that time when they were doing that, it was rising in the eights, right? And so here we are today on the PCE, which is the the Federal Reserve's favorite form of inflation. It's at 4.6 on an annual core reading. Right. So I think what's interesting to me is we're starting to see all eight 
of those, well, let me back up. We're probably seeing about six, five or six of those eight rate hikes starting to make their way through the system here a little sure. bit. And in the the midst of those were mainly 50 and 75 basis point hikes. They were significant hikes. And you're starting to see the impact of that. There is an argument that these little bitty rate hikes that we've had, these quarters that we may how much more impactful can they be to get that target rate down to 2%? Sure. Well, and, and I guess just to uh, make sure we're clear about this, the reason why they raise interest rates to fight inflation is to make things cost more to borrow money. Sure. Uh, Tighten the system. Right, right. Because if it, if it is more expensive for me to go get a loan, maybe I don't buy that car or maybe I don't buy that house or maybe I don't take that loan uh, you know, against my stock portfolio. Well, and, and, and maybe go, I don't start a business. Correct. Maybe I don't create a new product. Correct. Maybe I don't, you know, create more jobs. Which is interesting because uh, as much as that is a, a, re a real thing, that would help the situation, right? Sure. If we had more productivity, we've talked about this before, the only way to really positively get out of this, in my opinion, is to essentially work our way out of it through greater productivity, right? Mm -hmm. The reason why things are costing so much is because one, there's a lot of money in the system, and two, there's not a lot of people working in the system, so there's fewer things to buy or to to supply to create, right? Yeah. I mean, the the reason why the price of eggs are going up, if you look at it, is because of the amount of chickens that have died from either disease or fires at these these uh, poultry plants. Uh, it's so if we had more chickens, the price wouldn't go up, right? <laughs> right. Um, so that's that's really the only positive way to get. Out this now the Fed's way of getting out of this is well we need to we need to pump the brakes on this car and mm -hmm. um, you know hopefully they won't lock up that's that's essentially what's going on here uh, but it's interesting because overall if we were to summarize what's going on with this inflation just like you said it's sort of making its way to the consumer right mm -hmm. now right we've had these big increases uh, they hit the companies when it comes to their supply so if I'm Pepsi and I'm, I'm trying to buy all this this materials and to make all the food and bring it to the market that's getting more expensive now it's getting more expensive for you and I at the store but prices are still going up yes. and, and we're we're sort of just content that they're going up not as much as they had been going up but that still tells me a lot when the Fed raises rates faster than they've ever raised them uh, more than they've ever raised them in that amount of time and it hasn't really done anything other than you've you've not seen blowout positive numbers right correct well and I think I think to your point as as we and you know I think we probably could Google this while we're here, but the cup of coffee at Starbucks, what did it cost a year ago? Yeah. And, you know, same thing with like, I think we're seeing like 43% increases on, on foods across the country. And that is all being escalated to your point by a lack of, we don't have enough workers. So therefore product isn't being made in abundance. Mm -hmm. We still have a high level of demand because these are things, you know, we have to have food, right? Mm -hmm. So they, they, they know that that demand's not going to subside, if you may. And so as this trend trickles into the system here, what we're finding is that consumers are starting to make a choice now. Do I need to do some of the other things that mm -hmm. I do? I mean, obviously I got to do the necessities, but do I need to do other things? I'm, I've noticed that at restaurants right now, they're not as busy as they once were. They're still busy, but not as busy as they once were. Which is funny because I would, I would have said the exact opposite well, after going out this weekend. Well, there are people everywhere, but it's it's very regional. And I was going to say it's I, very it's, yeah. location dependent. A hundred percent. You know, uh, there's this there's this old uh, not old, but there's this there's a saying right now in the economic world that don't tell people in the southeast what's going on in the country sure. because they won't understand. And sure. so, to your point, yes, here here I, I would. 
I totally know what you're talking about because you still got to make reservations to get into a restaurant that you shouldn't have to make reservations for. Right. However, though, recently when I was on the West Coast and I was out in Denver, Colorado, I looked around and I'm like, holy cow, this place is bare and empty. Yeah. Well, I was like, this is, I asked the, the, the host staff, I said, is there a private event going on? What, what's the situation? And they were like, no, this is just, you know, this is, this is where it is right now. And right. I was like, wow. Okay. And that's a big tech area out there, right? Sure. That's uh, that that sector has been impacted significantly with job layoffs, with uh, also with cost. I mean, there's a lot of things going on over there, right? I see you kind of smiling. I, I wanted say, to say green tech yeah, okay. over there. <laughs> well, so anyhow, there's, but I guess to your point here, it's a little different, but it is making its way down to the consumer. And that's, sure. that's the point that I was trying to emphasize. Sure. Here. Well, I mean, you look at these numbers, it's interesting because we're, we are seeing changes month over month. Uh, prices are still going up. Income is still going up. So people are earning more money. Um, you know, I saw an, an um, article this weekend about just, again, if you change jobs, mm -hmm. you make drastically more money than well, if like you say your current employer. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a, a huge percentage. And um, that's part of what's going on. And I, I thought it was interesting because also the Richmond Fed, along with Duke, did a survey of CFOs. This is a normal thing they do. Mm-hmm. And for the first quarter, the results came out on the 29th, so just last week. Uh, and when you look at it, um, they, they essentially are asking CFOs how they feel about the economy, what their biggest concerns are. And the number one concern they had was labor quality and availability. Yeah. So cost pressure and inflation is number two, and it's, it's a, a, a right there next to it. But that still tells you if you're running a company right now, my biggest focus is on getting people to show up and getting good people in the door and getting them to stay. And that's why you're seeing these people that are getting paid a lot when they switch jobs or when they move around because uh, it is a shortage out here. And uh, it's one of those things that's continuing to keep this pro cost pressure going. Now, how many companies do you think are also using this to their advantage? A little off topic, off topic here, but how sure. many are actually using this you think to their advantage to just arbitrarily raise prices just to stay with the trend, right? Because, I mean, like, if you're a software company and, you know, a lot of your stuff is automated, but you're raising the cost, did the, did the cost of that machine that you've already paid for go up? Right. Or are you just raising it to make more profit? I often wonder how much that's happening right now. Right. Well, just to take a few data points there, we know the lid was sort of blown off the rent situation, mm -hmm. right? Uh, it became socially acceptable to basically get your rental to market rate. Yep. Uh, and that meant a big price increase. In some and cases, like 30 40%. Sure. Yeah, it was a, ba a big um, sort of uproar about landlords ripping off renters. And the reality is, is most of the rentals, not the apartment complexes necessarily, but most of the mom and pops, which do make up the majority of houses that are mm -hmm. being rented, those are, are people that are not necessarily going to always be pushing their prices to the market max, right? Right. They get a good tenant in there. They're they're satisfied with less, yep. less of an increase just to make sure that's good. So, so some of it is prices are coming up to where they should have been based on where the market is. Uh, but you're exactly right. You've got, uh, you know, a contractor, I'm having some floors redone, and he literally said to me, well, in 2020, 2021, <laughs> we raised the prices, and, you know, part of that was because uh, it was hard to get guys to show up, and I had to pay more. Part of it was the materials got more expensive, uh, but the other part of it was we raised prices and people kept paying them. Yep. And and that just speaks to the abundance of money in the system, right, uh, as well as, your to your point, the whole idea of we've got now an excuse to raise our prices right. because inflation is expected. Yeah. And so just like you said, if you're a tech company that's not necessarily having the same sort of cost pressures, 
you can still say, well, let's jump on that bandwagon and, and raise our prices because everybody's doing it. Yeah. And, you know, another thing is like when we talk about making it down to the to the consumer, you know, if you're listening to this, think about when you go get a haircut. Has the price of that haircut gone up? I mean, I, I get my haircut. It went from 20 to $25. That's a that's over a 20% increase. Sure. Right? And so that's happened in the last year. And like you said, you just pay it and you move on. Right now, $25, you know, while not a substantial amount of money, there's still a significant increase, in my opinion, that took place there. And that's before tip, right? Yep. And so you're going, what, what changed in what changed in that cost structure for that to happen, right? And that's, you know, I think that when we see haircuts or we see, um, you know, uh, when it's making its way down to that, I think you're seeing the inflation kind of really taking hold sure. of, of our economy. And the reason that person raised their hair, raised the price of that haircut, it isn't because his cost went up. It's because he's got to pay for other things now. Sure. Right? That's why. Sure. It's because he's got to live a life that's been inflated. And, and I get it. I totally understand it. But that's that impact that we're seeing trickle down here after sure. a certain amount of rate hikes where you're really seeing that 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 tightening, if you may, move down. Yeah. And there, the the phrase tipflation, right? That's a new one tipflation, that, that yep. is coming out because everybody knows if you buy food nowadays at a restaurant, mm -hmm. even if you're picking up a to-go order and there's no service involved other than I'm going to walk in and, and pay and walk out. It the you know, the, the system's prompting you, it's guilty for you. a tip, and it's <laughs> defaulting to twenty percent. Yeah. And and I think we as a society have just essentially accepted that. And it's right. it's a um it's an interesting phenomenon because that twenty percent is going back into the system, which right. which is causing these things over to continue to. Uh, to go, we haven't seen you know in this same PCE report again. You haven't seen people necessarily put 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 their foot on the brake from spending. Now mm -hmm. this is before the banking crisis. I think that's a it's an it's important, a very important, uh, yeah, important timing thing to to pay attention to is because the PCE that we're talking about right now that came out on Friday that's February's reading. Correct, right? So that doesn't include the recent bank collapse and some of the banking problems that are happening right now. Correct, and the idea being there. Oh, well, there's news about a banking collapse. I'm nervous, so I'm not going to spend money. That's Correct. that's I think really what what that would lead to. But in general, I would say we haven't. You know, the Fed stepped in. They they nipped it in the bud at right. this point. There was not a lot of fallout, so I don't expect personally to see those numbers really mm -hmm. really change a lot. We pumped a bunch of money in. Um, you know, again, we talked. Uh, the Fed has that lending facility for for banks that are in trouble and want Correct. to have proactive. And um, you know, I was looking at that over the weekend, and they're still doing you know, 70, $80 billion. Correct. It's, it's not three weeks in a row of, of massive, massive amounts of money being, being loaned out by the fed to these organizations. And, uh, you know, you don't, I don't know for sure, but it reminds me of that whole PPP situation where it was, Hey, there's money, let's go get it. Right. And whether we need it or not, let's, let's apply. Um, and, and that's going to be one of those things that may continue to keep, you know, okay, well, hey, we need to pay our employees more. We need to hire better employees. Well, let's go swap out all our stuff with the Fed and get more money, and then right. we can go recruit some more. Yeah. Dangerous cycle right there. But it is happening right in front of us here. Yo, thank you so much for choosing us today. We're definitely not done with our podcast, but we are going to take a really short sponsor break, and then we'll get right back to the show. I've been in the lending business for 20 years. I've seen many different lenders. During those 20 years, I recognized there's a difference between being an originator and an advisor. And the team at Bank of England is full of advisors. They take their time to understand your needs. They take the time to structure a mortgage for you and your family. And I cannot recommend them enough. If you're in the market to purchase a home, maybe it's a second home, maybe it's an investment property, 
or you're looking to refinance your current property that you live in, take a minute to work with the advisors at Bank of England Mortgage. They're a nationwide lender, and you can find your local branch at boemortgage.com. www.boemortgage.com. Because it's more than loans, it's people. Thanks so much for letting us give a shout out to our sponsor. All right, now back to the podcast. You know, one of the things that we heard the Federal Reserve, um, and I think this is important when we talk about inflation, because just for our audience and, and, the, and the just to kind of repeat some of the the, the standard things that we measure, there's PCE, yep. which is personal consumption expenditures, yep. and that's what the Federal Reserve, that's their favorite form of inflation. Yeah, but because it's, quote, more stable less and, and therefore also produces a lower inflation right. number. Right. And so then there's the CPI, which right. is the Consumer Price Index. So those are the two... Uh, for favorite forms of inflation, right? That we monitor. The consumer one is is how the consumer is impacted, right? And so that's why we pay attention to CPI, and that's reason why those two things don't match because the weighted average of what they're measuring isn't the same, and that's by design, by sure. the way. And so the Fed says, hey, the less volatile one with less uh, sticker shock or peaks, you know, or spikes as they call it, we're gonna we're gonna look at this PCE, and then there's a core reading which strips out even more volatile things in the reading, such as food and energy, mm-hmm. and they take that out and they get down to what they call the core items. So when you hear us talk about core and any any type of inflationary reading, that's what they're doing. Now, then we've seen two recent, I guess, anomaly of readings come out mm-hmm. where we have something called the sticky, you know, the sticky core, and, and we'll talk about that briefly. And now they're talking about a super core inflation reading. And you know, how, how much more dialed in can they get to get to the number they want is what I'm laughing at here. Because, you know, the Atlanta Fed has the sticky inflationary reading, which, you know, was supposed to get really down to the less volatile items, but now that's going the wrong direction, if you look at it. Yep. And then you look at this super core reading that the Federal Reserve is looking at, and they're measuring all the way down to what they're saying. Hey, listen, we want to see real-time prices on the street as they're happening, because we think that's given us a better idea of what's happening with inflation. So, and and we haven't been able to really find the reading on that. It's not been published. Right. We've heard a couple of economists say it's at 3.6, which is very close to the 2% range. If that's what they're going to use as their form of inflation moving forward, hopefully over the course of the next weeks, we'll get a reading on this or some sort of further details on how they're doing that. But inside those things that they're measuring on that super core, at super core is lawyers, the fees that they're charging, plumbers, gardeners, hairdressers. I mean, this is this is really what they're dialing it down to because they're saying that's impacting your wallet immediately. Sure. So it'll be interesting to see what the what the weighted average is and how that comes about. But we'll probably hear more of that in the weeks to come on the national news media as well. Yeah, well, and this is a good example of why. Um, so if we zoom out a little bit and we see these big trends, okay, there is a big trend of consolidation of the banks. We mm-hmm. know this, right? They want to get it down to, I say that though. My my belief is that they would like to have this in, you know, five to eight banks that sort of everybody uses. Sure. Because on a data quality standpoint, now all of a sudden it's a lot easier to get that data in, a lot easier to manage it. You know what people are spending money on. You can measure it. Mm-hmm. Now, now you can also control it. That's but right. we won't go there. Um so, so there's that. The other piece, I mean, everything you just listed, how do you know that? Correct. I mean, how do you know what the plumber's charging today? Right. Did, did somebody literally survey every plumber <laughs> and find out what they're making? And I know statistically you can survey 
but I guarantee you it's hard enough to get business managers to fill out a survey as much as it is to get a plumber to fill out a survey, yeah. right? Yeah. So uh, the biggest issue with all of this is measurement, right? And that's that's to your point where you're going with this, I think, is the moving of the goalpost to get the answers you want. It's kind of like reading something out of the Bible. You can you can get you can manipulate to get what you want out of that. If you wanted to say a certain thing to help your argument, that's almost like what we're seeing happen right here is that the manipulation of the data and the numbers to get to the numbers that make them feel better and get their point across to, you can't measure what a gardener and a plumber's fees are. Like, are you kidding me on this? So this goes to the digital payment processing, right? So there is a, the idea of, okay, well, that's why credit cards are valuable to economists because now all of a sudden we have this digital ledger of who's buying what and how much now again you don't know what that job was right you don't know uh, okay i spent twelve thousand dollars with a plumber well that wasn't just to fix the toilet right, <laughs> right. that was because i redid a shower but right. um the point with all of this that i think we want the audience to get is look we can report on the numbers as they come out but at the end of the day we have to be somewhat skeptical and at least look at this with a critical eye of can they actually measure what they're trying to measure right and and this super core sounds a whole lot like well we can control these numbers a little bit better and logically theoretically it makes sense right these are things people are paying for immediately so they matter the most but all i'm hearing is we're stripping out a bunch of stuff get into a number we like a lot better. Yeah. And then now we're <laughs> yeah. going to use that. Yeah, and I love when they say, like, we're going to take out things that are spiking. One of the things that's spiking is housing. Sure. Right? Because housing's going up. It's not going down. That's sure. another you know thing that I think is hilarious. You know, we take a look at, you know, uh, we talked about earlier, but if you listen to the news, I think I think MSNBC is Diana Olick. She loves talking about how housing's crashing. Nothing's going to, it's not going great. It's going to go backwards. But yet now she's speechless. She can't even give it the credit it deserves because her entire two years of saying it's going to go down, it's crashing is is blown up. It's wrong. Right. So, I mean, I think we even had her, had her a clip on the show where yep. she had to give thumbs up because she couldn't even say it's going up. But housing is the beneficiary when these moments happen, which is another reason why they take it out of the reading because they're like, oh, it's a spike. Well, no, it's a new trend. That's where it's going. So as we kind of get more into this uh, inflationary reporting here, I think another reason that we want to take a look at this is there's a couple of things that, uh, to your point, Alex, that are interesting. Is the Fed going to pivot? Is, is the Fed going to take their foot off the brakes, hope it doesn't lock up, to your analogy? But to me, I think they're flashing signs of, with that quarter reading, that they're, they're, they're preparing to kind of hit the pause button. Yeah. And let's see how this next reading comes out. Let's let it digest through the system because we're going to have another reading before the Fed meeting. We're going to have two more readings before the Fed meeting. And if those continue to have a little bit of downward pressure, depending on how they move the goalposts, but we get some more downward pressure on this, you're probably going to see a pause from the Federal Reserve. You're yeah. probably going to see them pump the brakes. And, and the minute they pump those brakes, that's an official signal to quantitative easing. They're already easing with what you're talking about, pumping all those billions, 80, 90 billion dollars a day into the system. That's easing at its best. Yep. But the signal will actually become a sign if they pause on the next Federal Reserve meeting. Yeah. Well, and you've seen a lot of, I think, investors try to front run this, right? The NASDAQ has. The bond market's front. They're all building it in, right? Everybody's essentially um, positioning for a pivot. Mm -hmm. Uh, A pivot is not official right now, it is very unofficial, but it, it definitely. Uh, in in our opinion, I think we'd both agree the pivot has happened. It's happened. Um, you know, on the Atlanta Fed, it's happening on the backside too right now. Just we're not. What do you mean by that? Oh, so when they're when they're doing these swaps, 
and they're absolutely buying, you know, assets that are held to maturity that are underwater right now, they are absolutely pivoting because instead of tightening, they're doing more easing. Yeah. Tightening is supposed to reduce liquidity in the system. You are pumping billions back in, at this point, it's trillions, back into the system. It makes me think of... Uh, you know, we had John Gordon come in and talk, yeah. and he was like, you need to pick a word for the year when you set goals. I think <laughs> the Fed, you know, the first word that comes to my mind was transitory, you know, and, and then that it was been, you know, yeah. it was easing or tightening. Like, the, I can't wait for the Fed's new word on what they're doing uh, for them to, yeah, for them to come up with. Quasi-easing right now. The Atlanta Fed actually does produce um, a future projection of rates mm -hmm. for the Fed and a probability of a hike or a cut, right? So uh, when you look at what the Atlanta Fed is saying, and every chart is, of course, this beautiful sloping line. When we know, when you look at reality, it's all the way up, flat for a little bit, all the way back down because crisis happened and they just right. drop it to zero. But they, they project we're done, the on hikes. We will not have any more hikes that cut to the next. Uh, and that they expect rates to slowly go down starting June uh, throughout 2025. And if you look at the very next meeting, the June meeting, the probability for a rate hike sits at 47%, which is interesting, a mm -hmm. 25 basis point rate hike. So um, that is still the odds favorite, but it's a 28% odds that they cut now. Right. Uh, and that is, it was basically zero prior to the banking crisis. So let's back up here just for our audience so that everyone understands. We say the Fed. So the the Fed is the Federal Open Markets Committee in New York. Yeah. But then you have an Atlanta. Every Everybody well, has a regional Federal Reserve. I just want to make sure we're giving some It's like the White here. House versus your local representative. Correct. Right? They've got these local outposts that all have different functions. But when we say the Fed, we're talking about, about the, the one in New York, right? Correct. The, the one in New York where the meetings take place. So if we take a look at um, the, these regional Feds, you have San Francisco, we've talked about recently, and now we have the Atlanta Federal Reserve mm -hmm. and the Richmond. So we're, we're using this because each one of them also have their own directors and they do their own studies mm -hmm. and that's what we're talking about right now is the Atlanta, uh, the Atlanta Federal Reserve. I mean, we have a Federal Reserve right here in Jacksonville, Florida. Right. A lot of people don't know that. You have They're all over the place, right? But this is one of the major divisions of the Federal Reserve so that's why it gets a lot of clout is the Atlanta Fed. So they've come up with the sticky inflation. They've come up with this this new forecast. So they're a division of the Federal Reserve and they're saying they don't think <laughs> they think we're done. Correct. As a division, as a major division of the Federal Reserve, they say, hey, I think rate hikes probably are done at this point. Correct. Probably are done. Just want to yeah. create some clarity for the audience. Exactly. And and I think what they're seeing, again, it is politically unacceptable to drive the car into a brick wall and let it crash. I Correct. Mean, they, they will you know pay to have that road extended as long as they can mm -hmm. because that's a far better route. Uh, in their mind, and yeah. it's I. This weekend, I spent time reading Ray Dalio's uh, <laughs> Big Debt Crisis, and it reminded me of uh, the last time I went through this was 2020 when we had COVID kicking up, which was which is just interesting. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, his argument in that is that if you have the reserve currency, meaning uh, that you have the dollar, and everywhere you go in the world, the dollars is what people use. A lot of the debts are in dollars versus other currencies, right? You're not getting a mortgage and having to pay euros is, is the example there. Um, 
that you cannot have an inflation issue ultimately because you can essentially print it away and you can control it. Uh, but I did see what's interesting is we got Brazil and China, India, oh, China, and Russia all coming to announce that they are in the process of creating a new currency, mm-hmm. uh, and and that will compete with this Fed's new digital currency. Mm-hmm. And so that we are in a interesting time because if the world switched off of the dollar. Uh, well, we would be essentially opening floodgates. Yeah, unless, I mean, the dollar is devaluing on the index right now, right? I, I mean, and it's devaluing because of inflation. Because there's it's, more of them, so it's worth more, less. So it's worth less. Yep. And in 2008, when we were battling this, it wasn't a problem because everybody still wanted the U.S. dollar, to, to Ray Diallo's point. Right now, we're seeing people that are saying, I don't necessarily want that dollar, and right. I'm going to try to create another system. Now, here's why that is going to fail. All three of those economies, I think there was four you named there, yep. they're in shambles. Sure. Including China. Bad. And so, you know, you can't take really bad and make it great. It doesn't work like that. There's a lot of steps in between. And, you know, what they're going to do by creating this new currency is they're going to either, A, default on their debt when they do that because they've got debt existing with the current currency. And if the exchange rate isn't favorable, you're effectively going to default. Right. But what China is really trying to signal right now is that, we want to be so independent from the U.S. that they can't hurt us in ways that we know they can. So think about this. I mean, we're, we're going to go down this rabbit hole, but think about this. Who's the second largest holder of debt in the United States? There's got to be China. Oh, right? it's China. It's absolutely China. I bet Japan's up there too. But let's take a look at this. If I if if I'm the president of the United States right now, I just had a narrative of a balloon that flew halfway across the United States, spy balloon with a Chinese flag on it. Right. Mm-hmm. I just have taken TikTok to Congress. I want certain people removed that have ownership of TikTok, happen to be Chinese. Mm-hmm. I'm creating a narrative right now. It's us versus them. Why wouldn't I want to default on that debt? Why wouldn't I say, you know what? I'll solve the debt problem. Yeah, and I can. I it can could never... be an issue, right? It could be happening right in front of us. There's this whole like tea leaves happening right, right in front of us here. And in the meantime, China knows that. So what are they doing? They're going around and they're trying to uh, get the gang together here to to, <laughs> to to pull off something that's not going to happen. By the way, yeah. And sometimes it feels a little bit like good cop, bad cop. Sure. Because at the end of the day, China needs us just as much as we need them. Right? We're their biggest customer. We buy everything they make, uh, and without us buying their goods, their economy would, would fall off a cliff. So, right. uh, and we call that, we call that foreign participation. Well, that's trade is what you're referring to, but right. being involved in each other's, uh, economic system to the point you're buying bonds, right? Sovereign bonds, that's called foreign participation. Right. And that's always worked very well until we have this rift now where it's not working so well. Right. And by the way, the inflation in those companies, excuse me, in those countries, <laughs> is far greater than ours. Yeah. Much, much greater than ours. Right. So another thing that happens, we've talked about this, every time the Federal Reserve raises rates, short-term rates here, not only does it impact the, the loans that you referred to, such as credit card debt and auto loans immediately, right? We've talked about numerous times what it does to housing, but it impacts the financial system there as well applies tremendous pressure to their currency. Tremendous pressure. Yep. And, you know, in the 80s, we can go back and study where it we almost, you know, bankrupt the peso. Right. And so we're applying tremendous pressure, which is why we're talking about, you know, if, if the Fed was going at the rate which they're doing, it would have broke something. And, you know, we talked about the things that would break, and some of them already have cracks in them, and some have broken. But I think that's why you see this kind of uh, reaction happening from other countries. Right. Well, it'll be interesting to watch. And uh, I think the... The old adage of you can only control what you can control is is really relevant for the listeners and mm-hmm. for us, right? So, um, you know, I did a, a, a quick little survey over the weekend through social media 
about how people are feeling about the market. And a lot of the concerns are what we're talking about. They they have concerns over these sort of political, socioeconomical, uh, global economical issues. But on, at the end of the day, we're never going to be able to control those to mm-hmm. a, a large degree individually. And so, you know, our thought process here is we want to make sure we focus on what we can, which in this case is focus on yourself, right? right. I, I'm, I heard a wonderful um, set of, of uh, talks this weekend talking about how, look, invest in growing your own personal income through becoming better at skills or more qualified, right? So if you're trying to say, hey, what do I do in this world where there's all this issues and uh, inflations everywhere? Focus on growing your talent and your skills and your knowledge because then you can command these higher prices in the market and you can improve your life. Um, And, you know, there's another one of the the whole idea is life is interesting because it's all about your next move. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter what has happened, right? We can talk all day about these stats in the past. Sure. All that matters is what we do going forward. So uh, I try to bring some light to this potentially dark conversation. Yeah, well, it's dark dark because, uh, you know, it's something that that – needs some more light shed on it. It's a dark topic to begin with, but I think controlling your future and leveraging some of this stuff to your own benefit when you can is vitally important. And I think that was one of our goals when we do these podcasts is, okay, hey, listen, here's, here's the, here's the good, the bad, and the ugly. The good in this is again, your winner is still real estate in this situation here, still really big. The second thing is we've talked numerous times how to counterbalance some of these, these inflationary measures with your own financial resources, right? right? And how you can offset that. And at the end of the day, you know, we don't make the decisions. We just interpret the data, right? Mm-hmm. And there's no crystal ball to kind of tell us what things are going to happen. But we do know this. We do know that inflation is, it, it looks like it might be here to stay a little bit, sure. right? And so some of these strategies and some of the things we're talking about are long-term plays for a reason. Yeah. And so that's that's what I hope that people gain out of this is that, you know, no matter what the news wants to tell you and no matter, you know, what buzzwords they're using that, you know, you should prepare for how do I make this work for me, not how do I react to it after it's already happening. Yeah, well, in the short term, we, we haven't talked about this too much, but we do still think rates will come down over sure. the next few months. And part of that's going to be lower inflation readings. As much as we talk about the money being pumped in, mm-hmm. we know that's going to take months, if not quarters, to get into the system yeah, we're gonna and, get, and start to show up. We're going to get lower inflationary readings because of the lag, right? All, right. All the data is lagging. We're going to get them, right? And it's going to take time for the other stuff to make its way back through the system. Well, but one of the other things that that um, I thought was brilliant that John Malden talked about this weekend was with this banking crisis, we we essentially, sh- it's like we lifted up the rock and saw the bugs scatter. <laughs> yeah. uh, people, people realized, okay, I have a lot of money in the bank and I need to do something with that. But I don't really want to do anything risky with it. That's correct. So what they do is they invest in these treasuries, these right? Short-term treasuries, and, and so that will push rates down further as well. As there's potentially going to be a lot of money continuing yeah. to go into, uh, you know, treasuries, which are very related to mortgage-backed securities, very related to mortgage rates. That ultimately will bring that whole thing down a little bit. Yeah. So that could be another another way that that is uh, benefited. Yeah. And you're actually seeing it happen too, which will pump more money back into the system because as they issue well, those treasuries, I mean, it's just that's why we say short term because this term. is like a, a roller coaster, right? We're about to go down, but then guess what happens yeah. is you hit the bottom and you start to go back. And up, I think that so. was one of the, one of our goals whenever we do these is, hey, okay, how do I? I don't need time necessarily going down, time it, but how can I recognize it? Sure. And we're in that moment now. We kept using that roller coaster analogy. We yep. kept saying that the, the front seat was going over now. 
we're now we're got about a first quarter of the roller coaster is is being pulled down. Yep. When that second half comes, the momentum train starts, and you're going to get some great favorable opportunities with rates. Yep. Uh, you know, if you're looking to buy a home or you're looking to refinance, you might have an opportunity to do that here over the course of the next three, four, five months. There you go. Every loan is new money. Can't wait. Can't wait. Right <laughs> more to the system, Alex. Always great having you on the show here. Appreciate uh, all the information you bring from the Market Distillery. Again, for our audience, how can they learn more about the Market Distillery? Yeah, so themarketdistillery.com or at the Market Distillery. Uh, we make the economy and real estate easy to understand there uh, with a special focus on creating graphics and and uh, tools for people to use with their clients. So uh, we're rolling out a coaching program in the next month that will be available to help uh, realtors make sense of their market and sure. more importantly, communicate to their clients what's going on so that they are not just lost in the noise. Uh, we don't want them to take a specific action, but we want them to f be confident in whatever action they take. Yep. And uh, a lot of times data and the facts are how you do that. Yeah, so. no, that's great stuff. I can't wait to see it. As I know that uh, you shared just a little bit of it with me and uh, mm -hmm. it looks fantastic. I think it's gonna be a, a wonderful resource for people to take advantage of. Guys, if you like what you're hearing, please share our podcast. Uh, go on Apple, five stars. We were just recently named in the top one and a half percent of the investing category. Thank you guys. We got a super cool uh, giveaway that's getting ready to come out. So stay tuned for more details on that, but five stars, leave us a review and check us out on our socials at what's your one more. And that's the number one, not spelled out, just the number one. Thanks again, Alex, for being here. Absolutely. I got one more shot. I'm going to make it one more chance. I'm going to take it. I meant it when I said it, now it's time for me to do it. I got one life to live. So I put all into it. Yeah.